being with us and doing that. And uh, we're so grateful for mothers. And normally I'm the one that like periodically cries up here. And Judy's the rock solid one. So, so uh, we just have no idea what's going to happen today. Uh, <clears throat> we're thankful that y'all are with us. Uh, if this is your first time with us, like my wife said, uh, I'm Brandon Clark, and we are glad that you have chosen to connect with us. San Angelo is a blessed community. We have a lot of wonderful places to fellowship and worship and, and, and connect, and uh, we're glad that you chose us to do that, and uh, we pray that your time here helps you to grow in knowing God better and trusting Him more. That's what this whole life of faith and in, in, in life with God is all about. Uh, this is the part of the service where if you came prepared to give, this is where we do that. Uh, again, if this is your first time with us, there's no arm twisting or any of those, any of that. And um, but we are appreciative um, for this opportunity because it's part of who we are as a people, as Christ followers. That God so loved that He gave. So guess what? Being a people who should be defined by love, we should also be defined by generosity. And we can do this because. We're, we have someone who's watching out for us. We can dare to look out to meet someone else's needs because we know that our God is looking out for our needs. In fact, let's quickly look at Psalm 23, 1, probably the most known psalm, Psalm 23. And it opens up with, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not be in a place of lack. And as we trust God in these things and we dare to let the Holy Spirit guide us even in this area of what we do with our resources, then we do that from a place of understanding that he's the one who is guiding us and taking care of us and watching out after our needs. So we can, we can dare to trust him and to be able to, to live this life that on the outside looks risky. But trusting God is the least risky thing you can possibly do. Trying to do it on your own is the risky thing. Trusting God to guide you is this place of security. So as we do that this morning, let's let this be a, an expression of faith towards God and love towards humanity as we give towards the assignment and the vision of this ministry. Gentlemen, you can go ahead and pass those. If you filled out a prayer request, this is where you put that in. Um, also, if, um, if, you're, if you're new with us today, uh, you want to hang on to that uh, because we want to give you that gift on the way out. Uh, we'll go ahead and open your... Version app, get your notes ready to rock and roll, because uh, this is, we're in the sixth part of this series we've simply called Outrageous Things Jesus Said, that that is what we're focusing on, because most of the things Jesus said we kind of track along with, but really a lot of the things we take for granted when you put them in context, Jesus said a lot of outrageous things. There were a lot of things that just kind of didn't compute with the normal thought of the day and um, made him a a bit of a a radical uh, teacher. But then there's some things that even on our side, in our context, that we don't have to delve real deep to go, man, that's just kind of... That's just kind of harsh. That's just kind of not real Jesus-y on this thing. And we've been looking at some of those things that maybe as you're going through the annual Bible reading with us or you're just reading the, the Word on your own that you kind of go, wow, I, I didn't kind of expect Jesus to do that. And uh, so let's go ahead and get into it today. Some of the things that Jesus said, they just seem completely outrageous because 
the truth is, is we're, we're looking at things wrong. So we've been setting our paradigm as we look at these things this whole time. And we've looked at and we keep coming back to and being anchored on why Jesus, why Jesus came. And he tells us himself in John three seventeen that for God did not send the, his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Truth is, the world was already condemned. The world was already off the rails. And so Jesus came in to save the world. So everything he says, everything in context points back to that. Everything fits in that paradigm of why he came. And as we're looking today at the, <clears throat> at the scriptures, there's honestly, there's a few places. We could have we done a mini-series on some of the outrageous things Jesus said to his mom. I mean, there was one moment where Jesus is out, he's out preaching and teaching, and, and he's, he's in this place, and his, his uh, mother and sister and brother show up, and they, they come along, and they want to see Jesus. So word gets passed on to Jesus that, hey, your mom and, and family are here to see you. And he's like, turns to those who are listening to him and says, you're my mother and sister and brothers. I mean, she's more than likely within earshot. And that could be a little offensive. That could be a little, uh, that, that seems a little harsh. And there's a number of places in there. And today we're going to, we want to, to look at some of these things. But we have to remember that Jesus lived out the truth of what God required perfectly. And we know right sandwiched in the middle if you know anything about the Ten Commandments, right, sandwiched in the middle between how we deal with God and how we deal with each other is this, <clears throat> is this commandment that says, uh, honor your father and mother. And Jesus always walked properly in that front. He always did. But there's this truth that we want to hit today that you're to honor your mother. But you've got to love God above all. Now, on Mother's Day, we should, should, if everything kind of goes the way it, it should go naturally, Mother's Day should be this warm, fuzzy thing for everybody. Have sweet memories of mom if she's passed away, or, or sweet experiences with mom currently, or, or enjoying motherhood. I understand that there's, there's places on all different scales of this, and we have compassion if Mother's Day is particularly difficult for you, and understand it's not a warm, fuzzy, but... <clears throat> Mothers tend to be this place that, you know, you, would, you have the old stereotype of the, the big, tough, brawny guy. And he has his, the, the one tattoo on his arm. It says, Mom, in a heart. I mean, this thing that he doesn't give a rip about anything. You, say, you look at him crossways and he'll rip your head off. But his one squishy place in his life is with his mom. This mom is this thing. And we're going to... And Jesus, honestly uses that to help set this up. And I want us to just look here as we get into Matthew chapter 15. It says, Jesus replied, Why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? We're setting this up that Jesus has a big deal of being able to truly honor this and and honor your father and mother was a big deal to him. Things had honestly kind of gotten out of context a little bit and they... A tradition had come along where normally the older people would be taken care of by the the children. 
And somebody somewhere along the way decided that they could make this decision that whatever benefit was going to be to their parents, that they would devote that to God. And then mom and dad are left out in the cold. They're not taken care of. There was no social security. There weren't any retirement homes. There weren't any of this. The, the safety net for the future was the family. That's what it was. And this little wrinkle comes in and it bothers Jesus. And he says, for God said, honor your father and mother. He, he, he's the one that brings this up. He says, anyone who curses their father and mother, wow, is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that <clears throat> what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, <clears throat> they are not to honor their father, father and mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain, and their teachings are merely human rules. There isn't anything here about loving God and loving, loving others. That's what this, all of it comes down to. Jesus said everything comes down to it. And you, take, you take that out of it, and it's just pointless pointless rules so this was a big deal to jesus jesus reaffirms this in a strong way to honor your father and mother but now let's get to something that jesus said that really makes our head scratch luke chapter 14 says large crowds were traveling with jesus and turning to them he said if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother Wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. You want to do your own little word study and kind of try to parse that and say maybe that kind of got translated wrong? No, it didn't. Okay, how you look at it, it's that deal. If, if don't hate. Well, wait a second. I, I, I thought we're supposed to honor father and mother, but if we can't be his disciple, we can't be his disciple if we don't hate that. We're not willing to be disconnected. And Jesus is creating this place of tension and this understanding. You know, if you're going to tell me, you know, you can't hate my... If Jesus was to tell me, you can't be my disciples unless you hate pickles. And I'm like, well, I'm, I must have been my, your disciple my whole life. Because I can't stand pickles. I can't stand the smell of pickles. If I come into this theater to watch a movie and somebody's got one of them big old nasty vegetables of the devil in front of me, it's part of the fall. It's horrible. And then they've dipped it in that nasty stuff that they taunted Jesus with vinegar. They taunt. Tell me. It's bad stuff. They taunted him on the cross. And so they have one of these. Man, I'm telling you, I can't do it. It'll ruin the movie for me. I have to get up and leave. I just, I'm like, I go find a new seat. I just, pickle smell, just, I can't stand it. And, um, and so I just can't. I just don't like it. People will taunt me. They will throw pickles at me and do mean stuff to me. And uh, it's just horrible. Uh, but if that was to come and Jesus say that, you know, unless you hate pickles, you can't be my disciple. Um, well, that doesn't, that doesn't really do anything. It's like, wow, I, you know, I've been rolling this all along. Well, all of a sudden, you take something that should be near and dear to all of us, and we feel like it's properly placed. Love of father and mother and wife and children, all these things at the very top of the list. And 
And you know what? Wait a second. If I can't even, I can't even let some of that creep in and get in the way of me pursuing God. Wow, this kind of sets everything on a different vein. I don't know of a better story than the, <coughs> the one uh, that uh, a man named uh, <coughs> Rabbi Marty Waldman. Fact is, the he's the the rabbi, the pastor to uh, my sister and her family, and they happened to sh- surprise us and are here today. So I'm like, now I've got to make sure I get all my details right because there's somebody here that knows all the details, and uh, I try anyways, just so you know. And uh, but anyways, uh, as we were traveling, and uh, back in '08, I got to sit down and, and have a couple of hours uh, sit down with Rabbi Marty and. Uh, he was uh, a Jewish man, uh, raised up in a, in a Jewish household, and um, his mother was very, very, very devoted. In fact, his, his father and his mother both had experience in concentration camps. And his dad came out. They didn't know each other there. They both had separate places. They met later. And his dad came out of that experience as an atheist, his dad actually ran into his rabbi at, from his community inside the concentration camp and asked his rabbi what's gone. And his rabbi was so befuddled by what had taken place to God's people. And he said, there is no God. And he, he, was just, he, just, couldn't, he just couldn't process it. And his father just walked away from it. And his mother on the other end of it became more and more devout and more and more a place to, to honor the one true God. And they meet later on in life and both have these experiences. And, and the, her, her future husband understood her convictions and she let him have his room, understanding how difficult that that kind of experience would be. And they created, got married and created a life together and moved on. And, and she was very devout and, and uh, practicing a worshiping Jew, and, and the father was, was not. And in this comes Marty. And uh, Marty was a, a product of the, the hippie times, and he was <coughs> actually uh, enjoying uh, the, the hippie movement and all that that means. And, uh, and, uh, and some, uh, some people came along and shared the truth of who Jesus, Yeshua, was and it began to ring true that Messiah had come in the person of of Jesus Christ and he makes this complete uh, amazing life-changing decision to place his faith in Christ and now he has to share this with his mother and his dad gave him room and his mother just lost it she just all went, went off on him and said, you have gone to Hitler's side. And she's like, I'm done with you. You're, you're, you're not even my kid anymore. And there's actually a, a, a prayer that is, that is prayed called Kaddish that it has this connotation that you do it for someone who has passed away and someone who's actually deceased. And she was ready to pray Kaddish over him and consider him gone from her life, as, in, as if her son had already died and gone, and that's just not in her life. And her husband, <coughs> Rabbi Marty's father, 
encouraged her not to do so and to give Marty some room and this place of Marty choosing to follow Jesus, choosing to be a follower of Christ, meant this place of incredible tension and giving these things up. Thank goodness that God's love and grace goes further on because the story didn't end there. And as the years go by, then she begins to speak to him and talk to him. The Holy Spirit moves on her life. She comes to a place where she trusts Yeshua. She trusts Jesus as Messiah. His father, who was an atheist, comes to be a believer in, in Messiah. Siblings of his, the last I heard, they're still praying for one sister to be able to come in. And then the entire family were, were believers. But he could not be at a place that he had to be <clears throat> where and that his mother and her, her place of tension with it could get in the way he she was it was it meant death it meant separation from his mother and he knew and trusted god that he could release his family into the hands of god and eventually that was brought back sweeter and more wonderful than ever. In fact, as we go on into verse 27, this, <clears throat> we see the rest of this context that this talks about understanding what the cost of discipleship is, that there may be some things that are difficult to deal with as you move forward. Verse 27, he says, and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. That's dealing with the difficult, painful things along the way. Suppose one of you wants to build the tower. He goes in again into this other thing of, of there's this plan. You begin something. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you even have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish, everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, then he's going to send out a delegation to the other one and it's still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple to be in this place of following after God. You know, the truth is, and I didn't want us to get an all extra punch in the gut. We've had enough punches in the gut through this series. And we just simply put the word mom in there. But we really could have taken it and it said, hate your mom. And that would have been an accurate quote. This place and that, and that tension. This place is difficult. <clears throat> Why? Because we love our moms. And we love these people around us. And we have to understand if, as we are pursuing God, as we are walking after Him, as we were going on these different things, our devotion has to be first and foremost to Him. And trust Him with everything else. That's honestly the truth that you and I are on. We enter into this relationship and we say, God, this rings true and I trust you with my salvation. I trust you with eternity. And we spend the rest of our lives growing as disciples on trusting Him with more and more and more and more. So we begin to trust him with our finances. We begin to trust him with our relationships. We begin to trust him on these different fronts. And we trust him and we trust him and we trust him more. And we release more and more and more into his hands. He used the ultimate, the ultimate thing, the ultimate love to set us up that our love for him has to go beyond 
even that of love for mom, even that of a mother's love for her children, that this goes beyond something, beyond something that we can wrap our minds around. Over the next few minutes, I want to talk and look at some places. And I want to look at some things as this, <clears throat> this thing of what this God who loves us so much, who is willing to go the full distance for us. Of and, and from this point forward, guys, I just need you to just kind of roll with us here. Because this, this is for the moms of the house today. And I want us to look and see what does God <clears throat> say to moms today. Because there are some things, that's, some places of encouragement that I want us to be able to walk away <clears throat> with today. And the first one we want to hit is to moms with difficult children, he would say, don't give up. Now, most of us don't think of Jesus as being a difficult child, you know. In fact, you know, that uh, uh, most people would think, you know, that, uh, you know, this mom who thinks their kid is perfect, somebody would say, man, they, they think their kid's the new Jesus, you know. But really, it wasn't always easy on Mary. It wasn't always easy on her. Let's look at Luke 2, verse 46. It says that after three days, well, first off, they had gone at Passover time. I mean, I just kind of left some of that out. They had gone to Passover. They had traveled. They had celebrated Passover as a family, and they had moved in caravan form, and they were headed back. And they head back, and Jesus is not with them. Anybody ever have that missing child moment? I'm telling you, it's, there's just no panic like the missing panic moment. <clears throat> uh, Mary and Joseph are, go at the end of the day to find Jesus, and Jesus isn't there. And I love it that the scriptures put this little place, and Mary asks, is Joseph, is Jesus with you? And he says, I thought he was with you. How many of us have had that thing? Okay. If Jesus' parents can do that, you know what? Cut yourself a little, a little slack. You know, these are hand-picked. God hand-picked these parents. And they still go, I thought the kid was with you. I thought the kid was with you. And so it's nighttime. They can't. They realize he must be back in the city. They've traveled the whole day. It's night. You don't just turn on the headlights and drive back. These roads are treacherous. And they have to wait. Can you imagine Mary trying to get a wink of sleep? Trying. As she's waiting for daybreak to come so they can hit the road and go back. I'm telling you, I guarantee you, that, that lady did not get any sleep at all. And here we pick it up. It says, after three days, they go back and they're looking for Jesus. They've searched not one day. They don't just go back and go, oh my goodness, we had the worst night ever. Walk into town and there he is sitting on the curb. No, they have their search. Search for three days in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. They finally find him and he's in the best place he possibly could be. He's there talking to the teachers. He's listening to them. He's asking questions. And everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. They're just being blown away. They just can't imagine that this young 12-year-old kid is sitting there and having these discussions with him. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him what any other mother would have said. 
what any other mother would have said. Son, why have you treated us like this? Why did you do this to me? I've been an absolute wreck. I've been, you've had me in knots. I have been completely messed up. Why have you treated me? Why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Love you. Sweet lady. Awesome lady. I'd have never said that to my mom. She's going, why were you looking for me? There wouldn't have been another sentence. It would have been pow, pow, pow. It would have been, not really. It would have been haul you to the room and control paddling, but it has still been ugly. It has still been weeping and gnashing of teeth, I guarantee it. And he says, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. He's answering, and they're just not getting it. She was doing the best she could. She's sitting there, and she was freaked out. She gets the answer, and she still doesn't understand it. She still doesn't understand it. They didn't understand what was being said. And then they went down to Nazareth with them, and he was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and favor with man. Moms, if you're here today and you've, you have your moments, you have your times where your kids are just frustrating you, don't give up. Don't give up. I guarantee you, while she is searching for him, She's not telling herself, it's okay, he's the savior of the world. He's the savior of the world. One day he's going to do big things. She was not seeing him doing big things right there. All she wanted to do was find him and do that, hug him, whoop him, hug him, whoop him. Like, what are you doing? It's just ripping her heart out. Stay encouraged. Stay with it. A mom is a long-term assignment. Don't you dare grade yourself in the middle of this trial, in the middle of the difficulty. A kid has a will. That kid makes their own decisions. Don't you grade yourself in the middle of this. You don't, you don't go to an artist in the middle of his project and decide whether or not the finished product is going to be okay. Stay with it. Keep praying. Keep being there. Keep being that mom. Keep loving them. To the moms experiencing a victory, I think that God will remind us to cherish these moments. I love it that Jesus' first miracle took place at his mother's insistence and her compassion for the family who was having this wedding. These people having this wedding is a big deal, multi-day deal. Supposed to have wine to last the whole thing. They've run out of wine. It's an embarrassment to this family. They've been invited guests. And that she goes to Jesus and tells him the issue. And here is Jesus' response in John chapter 2, verse 4. It says, why, woman, oh my. Just even thinking about it, looking at my mom and saying, woman? How many of you would just, that would have been the end of that conversation right there. You'd have woke up a couple days later, 
not remembering what happened. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. And as, I love this. Mary was just a normal mom. She went to him, and he replies, God, Jesus, Messiah, replies. And she ignored him. He says, why do you involve me? And you can just see her just walking around. She said, do what he says. And she knew. He was about to do so. He had just said, it's not time for me to step out like this. And she knew. He, this is his first recorded miracle. She knew who he was and that he could do something about it. I'm telling you what, moms believe in their kids like nobody else. Like nobody else. It says, do whatever he tells you. So then Jesus does. He says, go get the water pots, fill them up. Take a ladle, take it to the guy who's the master of the ceremony. Somewhere along that way, between the, the journey, between the pot full of water and that guy's lips, somewhere that water turned into wine. The party rolled on. Nobody made a big fuss about it. And everything just kept rolling. But she treasured that. John chapter 2, verse 12, at the end of this story, it says, After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and disciples, and they stayed there for a few days. He's just hanging out with mom, just enjoying spending time with mom. Then last of all, to the moms experiencing heartbreak, that one day God will mend your broken heart. That's one of the things that he does. I love it, this moment that we're about to look at that gets shared with us in scriptures. This moment where Jesus is on the cross. He is carrying out his, the fullness of his assignment to, to, <clears throat> to uh, be the uh, sacrifice and the savior of the world. And as he's there, as he is there, this is what takes place there in John 19. It says, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. His mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciples whom he, whom he loved standing nearby, which was John, the one who pins this, this account of, of Jesus' life, this gospel. And he sees the... <clears throat> The disciple whom Jesus loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that time on, the disciple took her into his home. As Jesus is in the middle of his fulfilling his assignment, his heart was still very much to make sure that his mother was cared for. And cared for not just as an obligation, but with the heart of a son to the mother. The Bible doesn't record a lot of the rest of this story. We look at biblical record, and this is kind of where our, this narrative ends. But we look at church history, and we understand that John actually was the first one to be able to bring the gospel and, and, that, and create a fellowship of believers at Ephesus. Paul then, for a time, was the one who wrote and wrote to the church of Ephesus. And after Paul's death... John actually comes back in and is the overseer of Ephesus for a second time and lived in Ephesus. In fact, the Isle of Patmos isn't very far from Ephesus. 
and there is a place, there is a, a stone home there that is attributed. We don't know whether it is or not, but it is currently attributed that that was the home of Mary. And that as John traveled, he took Mary with her and that she was set up with her own home and her own accommodations and was cared for. And he cared for her. And there are plenty of people as they go and tour Ephesus and see that. That's one of the stops is go and see Mary's home in Ephesus. That here in the middle of her heartbreak, there in the middle of everything that was that just seemed to be her world was ending. Jesus made sure that she was going to be loved and cared for. And that the future, even though the heartbreak of the moment was there, that the future was still bright. Psalms 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed. Psalm 147, 3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. In Psalm 68, 6, God sets the lonely in families. I so love this scripture. He leads out the prisoners with singing. He sets the lonely in families. He sets the lonely in families. That is part of what the assignment of the church is all about. Is those who are disconnected and lonely to be set in a family. To be a part of that. Do you moms today that are dealing with heartbreak for whatever reason. There's hope. There's hope today. Keep leaning in to the things of God. Let him into those places and to minister to you today. See, Jesus' love for us, it truly is completely outrageous. And let's live outrageous lives that point people to the outrageous hope that we have in him. On this Mother's Day, I want us just to remember. Remember that Jesus said mom. That God said mom. When you really wrap your mind around that, that's pretty amazing. Reminds us of how how much he understands who we are. He understands our struggles. He understands where we're at. And he has come completely human to completely care for us to pay the price and for us to be made heaven ready, not by anything we do, but by what Jesus did. 100% man, 100% God. So he's 100% our Savior. We want to create a quiet moment for those who are here who, who want to place and choose Jesus this morning, place their faith in him. We want to give a quiet moment for that. See, what this moment is about isn't about you declaring what you plan to do. This moment is about you recognizing what's already been done for you.